Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Stuff I Don't Like podcast, hosted by me, Ray Benjamin. On every episode, we seek to educate our listeners with a mix of humor, honesty, and zero chill. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuff I Don't Like Podcast, and now I'm happy to announce we're on the iHeartRadio app, so you can find our podcast there. Just search for Stuff I Don't Like. So wherever you're listening to the show, I want you to do me a huge favor. I want you to like, comment, subscribe, share it with your friends so the show can continue to grow and excel. On Facebook recently, I've been seeing the show's been getting a lot of new likes. I don't know where that's coming from because I don't really go on Facebook that much. (laughs) But thank you. Shout out to all the new fans and new listeners. Um, I love you know when you guys leave comments or dm me or message me so keep it up and thanks for your support if you didn't know i'm also if you didn't know i also um have co-written and produced a new cartoon web series called julisa who it's a one minute animated show that follows the adulting fails of the title character Julissa. Whether Julissa's trying to avoid her annoying co-workers or an unsolicited threesome at a coffee shop, her inner thoughts rarely match the unbothered demeanor she pretends to maintain. We post new episodes on Instagram every Tuesday and you can follow us at Julissa, that's J-U-L-I-S-A underscore W-H-O, or you can visit our website at julisahoo.com. So now that we got all of that fun stuff out of the way, let's go ahead and start the show. Hey guys, so if you tuned into our last episode, you would have heard me talk to Dr. Jenny, um, a wonderful psychologist and the owner of the Decolonizing Therapy account. I had such a great time talking to her and we talked for quite a bit, so I actually split the episode up into two parts so I didn't have to cut anything down and that you could hear all the wonderful things Dr. Jenny had to say. So this is part two of my interview with Dr. Jenny, and if you haven't listen to the first part just go to the website or wherever you're listening to this podcast and give it a listen thanks thing like with meditation um i was once working with this woman um a healer and a root worker um and she said, and I'm going to quote Mama Vida on this because that's her name. <laughs> She's the one who said it. She said, you know, you're, you're not meditating enough. You're not meditating enough. And she was getting in on me. She's like, you know, your guys are saying like, you're not meditating enough. You're not this, you're not that. And I'm like, when I sit, everything comes up. My to-do list, my this, my that. And I am a meditator. And I do do meditation classes for people. But still, like, sometimes finding that time in the morning or the afternoon when you're back to back to back to back, it is rough and she's like girl meditation is listening to the whole tribe called quest album and <laughs> out, right right and i was like yo oh, okay. yeah, i meditate all the time exactly. <laughs> meditation is when our mind bodies and spirits move to another place of consciousness right it's when we're not 
in the monkey mind thinking about little things is when we're able to be in our bodies safely you know so like meditation is about like being present with self yet not over analyzing and being up in the head so when she put it that way and she was like you're overthinking you're overthinking and all that reminded me of and why i needed to bring it up was um whiteness right like <laughs> The way that whiteness has even taken over the acts of meditation and yoga. I was just listening to oh, a podcast. Yeah. yeah, right, with Dana Falsetti. And um, she has a really cool podcast. And I'm listening to it and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, like yoga has been um, colonized. Oh, right? Of course, of course. Right? Yeah. And always, like, oh, you have to have Lululemon pants, no shade, but sh yo, it's real, right? Or, or you, you have to have all of this equipment now to do yoga. Like, you have to have these blocks that are inexplicably <laughs> like $30 for a foam block. I don't, I don't understand. Like, I, I was, I went to a, a dance convention last year and one of the, there was an Indian woman who was, uh, she was teaching like a traditional Indian dance, but she said that she was teaching this class to all little Indian kids and she asked them, where does yoga come from? And none of these Indian children knew that yoga was from India. They all thought it was like some white lady housewife exercise wow. like and she was so horrified like because now the kids if you grow up here you don't even know that that's part of your culture because all you see of yoga people is like lululemon ladies like you said and Absolutely. i was like wow that's crazy because we were talking about um tap dancing actually it was a panel on tap dancing and they were saying how you know that is a traditional, you know, black form of, of art and how it's dying out and people don't even know the history of tap dancing. And it, it was just a very sad panel, <laughs> but also it just made you realize like the appropriation is real, the colonization is real. So I think the only thing that we can do is educate people and, you know, make sure that we teach our kids like the correct history and, and so kids can have knowledge and know where things come from because that that's a, if they don't know then that's how things will die out right right absolutely that's so real and it's like what are we passing down and are we like are we um i think leila saeed talked about like being a good ancestor you know are we being what kind of ancestors do we plan on being? Are we being good ancestors? And are we teaching the little ones, right? Even if they're not our kids or our nieces or nephews or, you know, what are we teaching them? What are we teaching them? And what have we failed to teach them? And then how is this being passed down? And then we always want to blame, you know, the youth, right? <laughs> <laughs> we are, I remember like one of my old teachers saying, you know, some of us from the civil rights era failed some of y'all and I'm sorry and I was like wow that was really deep she was like yeah like we did all this work we were always on high alert we were like protesting and fighting for freedom she was like she was one of she was like I was one of the meditators I was one of the people praying for world peace and sitting with it but I was on that freedom bus she's like but we were so exhausted afterwards and we got a little bit of that freedom but I think that we forgot to pass down some very key things to y'all and it was like, ooh, like I felt it, you know? Like, like what, what is it being passed on? Yeah, I agree. Um, 
it's just like kids now everyone wants to hate on all these like Lil SoundCloud rappers, Lil Pump, Lil whatever their names are. It's <laughs> like they exist. Be, like who taught them these things? Like kids yeah. can't just grow up in a vacuum. They also grew up in a culture that glorified, you know, drugs and material excess. So of course that's the only thing they're going to talk about because that's the only thing that, you know, older people taught them as well. So. Yeah, yeah, so real. That is so real. Yeah. So what do you think, uh, what are some low-cost options for people that can't afford to go to therapy? Because I think that's, you know, a problem that we have. My my very good friend, she's a therapist, and she works with low-income communities that um, primarily speak Spanish, but she was saying it's really hard she's in high demand because she's basically one of the only bilingual therapists in her community and she can't help everyone. So what, what are low cost options that people who, you know, can't afford to go to therapy, what can they do? Yeah. Very important question. And um, the truth is that there's like two parts to that as well. One part is um, as therapists, we also have an obligation to, ensure that when people are seeking counseling and therapy, that we try to at least provide them, connect them with options, and we treat them humanely. Um, So as an example, one of the things I do appreciate and love about the counseling center in which I work um, is that we have a sheet, right? And it lists, if you have insurance, check out, blah, 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 blah. And it's listed, you know, in New Jersey, all the different possible options. If you're in the middle of a crisis, but it's not life-threatening, you know, Bridgeway Crisis Interventions here, Persian Field, they're open 24 hours, leave a message. Like, so number one is like actually speaking out, providing and finding out about low cost to free um, resources and services, almost, not all, but almost every urban community, um, as well as rural, and our indigenous, you know, native brother and sister communities, usually there is like at least one clinic. Um, the downside to that, as you said about your friends, overworked, understaffed. Um, we know that, you know, this government and our, many of our state federal policies are funneling way more money into uh, militarization, right? And police and rather as opposed to counseling and mental health and we're part of deciding whether that changes right yeah um so that that's some of the actions when people are like i don't know what to do i don't know what you know i don't know how i can help well like are you good at policy are you a lawyer are you like there's all these ways that we can like help but i digress so um you know so that's number one is like as a therapist i'm never really kind of just like getting off the phone like nope can't help you Um, my job is also like, hey, or even if it's on Instagram, and sometimes that can be a little bit overwhelming, but even if it's Instagram, I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, they're like, can I, you have a decolonized therapy list that I can give you? And the answer is no, because number one, I got to know these people, right? Like, so I can just refer you to some people that I've heard about from around the way, or I met at a conference, but in good conscience, I can't promise you that their practice is going to be 
free is as much bias as possible, that it's going to be like anti-capitalist, that it's going to, you know, I can't promise these things unless I know them and unless, unless I have worked with them and trained with them and so on and so forth. So um, the best that I can tell people to do is advocate for yourself and get your needs met. Um, so the, the other half of that, though, is more practically, you know, we can start building groups and a collective. Um, we can begin to rely on one another. Um, so for example, if we're, there's a lot of mothers in a community that are all struggling with, you know, having, being burned out because their child has a pervasive developmental disorder, like autism or Asperger's and, you know, they need some help or they don't know about the next step. What if those mothers reached out to one another from their child's classroom and then they, they had like a group together, you know, like mm -hmm. time away from their child, maybe one mother babysits one or two mothers or, or, or teen kids, right? Other kids or, or the other parent or a grandparent, they're babysitting the other kids. Maybe they're all watching them in another house or, you know, something like that so that these moms can come together and talk about like, man, I'm so burned out. I don't know what to do. Some days I don't want to be here. Some days I wish I love my child so much, but I wish I didn't have to deal with this. Like, you know, sometimes we can come together and that's a form of organizing, right? And that's a form of decolonized therapy. It doesn't have to be in a room or an office we're in an institution that doesn't care about the people. It's also the people saying, hey, I need this and I can't wait for this system or this school system or this environment to give me what I need and I don't have money for it. So can I come together with other people and get a little bit of support? So that's one way is like creation of group. Um, another way I would say is also to ensure that we're constantly offering like sliding scale services if you're in private practice. That's another thing. It's like, uh, you know, really, really re-looking at, at our own budgets and our own accountability and holding ourselves accountable. Um, is it possible that we're, you know, this person's telling you they can only do $40. Okay, well, I can offer $40 two times a month. Do you think that that would work for you? Maybe that's not all of the people on your load, but is it possible that this person really needs something, right? Um, and so another thing is also like smaller techniques. So um, I don't know if this is what you also meant, but I think that people can also learn techniques that would assist them. So one of the things that I'm really crazy about is emotional freedom technique or EFT or tapping. Um, I've, yeah, heard of it. I've heard of it, but yeah. how does it, it work does. exactly? Yeah, it doesn't work for everybody, of course, but um, tapping is absolutely free. There's tons of videos online. The person that I really enjoy um, that I learned from, and it was like super easy in this weekend conference was Nick Ortner. Um, and his sister, Jessica Ortner, I think does some tapping around body image issues, um, and anxiety around body, but, um, Nick Ortner is pretty easy to understand. And, and again, there are many other individuals who tapping and it's gently using your own fingers or hands to tap on particular points on your body while saying certain phrases 
to allow like the energy or the pent up feeling around it to be released. Um, so it's, uh, you know, we're not, we're not being filmed, so it's hard to like, yeah. <laughs> like play it. But, um, well, you know, one of the first things is like, you're kind of gently karate chopping the, the side of your hand, that meat next to your hand. And you say something like, even though I am deeply anxious and overwhelmed, I still deeply and completely love, accept and forgive myself while you're tapping on the meat of your hand. And then um, even though um, I'm stressed out and I don't even know if I can go on today. I am trying my best to deeply and completely love, accept, and forgive myself. And then you go top of the head, gently tapping. I'm really overwhelmed. Inner eye. I feel like growing up today. Outer eye. I really don't like my boss. Under eye. I feel like quitting, but I can't afford it. Under the note. And, and literally, it's a very simple, gentle protocol that um, comes from um, Eastern philosophies, and it comes out of like acupressure and acupuncture, right? And it's focused on like the meridians. So again, super easy. Um, the focus is always to kind of state how it is you're feeling and get out all the quote unquote negative heavy feelings and then move gently onto more positive feelings. So it is like a little bit of a protocol, but somebody really can't mess themselves up doing it. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that's so yeah. in interesting. I know in the Qigong practice that I do, there's there is a lot of tapping as well, but um, mm. it's silent though. I'm not saying anything, <laughs> so that that's really cool. I'm gonna look that up and try to incorporate that into yeah. my practice. Um, I love it. Um, I've done workshops with like 40 students of color from the inner city, and at first everybody's giggling. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I everyone is giggling at first and I definitely allow for space for that right because that would be really controlling if I'm like be serious come on you know that is just like yeah guys a little bit weird I feel y'all yeah uh-huh but as we keep going definitely as I look around I notice tears streaming down people's faces um some people are really checked out and they don't like it and they don't have to do it you know um another thing that I find that really really works is breathing techniques now i'm not saying that any of these techniques are a substitute for mental health therapy but when folks can't afford it or there's no access to therapists that are not going to cause them damage because let's be real there are therapists that can cause people damage right like telling someone you shouldn't be this way or you can just try to change or maybe you should try articulating better or maybe that shit is damaging right yeah it is uh, it is um, colonial, colonized, it is oppressive, it is not taking into account people's needs, it is dehumanizing. So, you know, I've had friends where they're like, yo, this is the only therapist in my um, network, but this person is telling me to just be positive and take deep breaths and everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, so, you know, sometimes it is better to move on and realize that a certain therapy or therapist is not for us. So even the stuff that I'm saying, it could very much not work for many people and it can work for a chunk of people as well. Um, another, so another thing that I was going to bring up really quickly is movement. If someone can, if someone um, has the ability to move their arms. Um, if somebody has the ability to move their legs, because right, these are privileges. Like, so we want to acknowledge that not everybody can 
or not everybody is not in pain. Like people that are in chronic pain, that's a whole other population. It might be very painful to move. But even for people with chronic pain, there are days where they feel like movement is possible. So if that's the case, even like flexing your arms out, lifting them over your head, taking a deep breath, going outside and putting your hands on a tree or sitting under a tree if you don't live on the East Coast right now, um, <laughs> you know, um, sitting on earth. Imagine a cord, this comes out of some of my spiritual work and practices, imagining a cord coming out of your belly button, going into the center of the earth, moving down, down, down through all the layers until it hits the center of the molten core of earth and grounding yourself and stabilizing uh, a lot of people in traumatic places, right, um, don't feel safe enough to do that. You know, they don't, they're not safe enough to even integrate information. So a therapist could wonk, 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 teach them whatever technique, but if they're not in their body, then none of it matters. So um, it's a consideration getting outside, moving your body, right? So not all movement is exercise. So I'm not telling people, oh, exercise, because that's also very elitist, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, some people are so at the poverty level or poor, they're not thinking about extra weight on their hip size and stomach, right? They're thinking about like, I just need to get this meal in for my kids. I just need to make rent. I just need to leave the heat or the lights on. Um, so movement, and I don't mean movement of just like walking and stressing yourself out, but sometimes some people, I have friends that rock back and forth, right? Um, it could be very soothing for some people, believe it or not, while listening to music. Um, for some people, um, it might be getting a, a hug that is, um, you know, in advance, like, yes, I need a hug right now. Sometimes I'll tell someone, what do you need? I can't give you A, B, and C, and D, and I can't take the way and pay the pain of losing your mother, but what can I do for you right now? Asking a friend, what can I do? What do you need? How can we get you that together? I feel like I ask that four times a week to my personal circle. Um, so... I could keep going, but I feel like I'm talking too much. So. No, no, that's perfect. I want people to be, you know, just exposed to other resources because I think people falsely equate like mental health equals going to therapy once a week. But I don't think that's true. And even if you can afford to go to therapy once or twice a week, that might not even be the op- best option for you, even if you can't afford to do that. So I think that, um, yeah, I'm always trying to give people low cost or alternative options to just traditional therapy if that doesn't work for them. Absolutely. Um, You're absolutely right. And, you know, something else I just thought of um, that I feel like it's important to say, like trauma stops people from trying new things, right? Trauma stops people, the things that they've gone through traumatically stops people from trying new things. So um, sometimes we may have a person that we're working with or a friend or ourselves that are like, no, 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 no. I don't want to try that. I don't, I don't want to, it could be food. It could be uh, a new, new spot to walk. It could be a new route to work. Understanding that an inner critic can like be exacerbated by stress and trauma symptoms, right? So again, like I said, we have to create these moments of triumph for people. We have to allow people to slowly in their own space and time to move, to 
to listen to a whole album and get in it and feel it and lift their hands up and start singing, right? Or, you know, um, to even just get support. Some people living in a traumatic state, and as we, we've talked about earlier, that's most people that are disenfranchised or on, on the margins, right, are in a traumatic, active state. So it's not about getting rid of the trauma. It's like, how do I learn to live my best self despite the heaviness and the overwhelm of this trauma? Um, so, and sitting can lead people to more anxiety. So when we think about therapy sessions, it's pre predominantly sitting, right? Like talk therapy can cause people more anxiety. So when my folks are hella traumatized and anxious and I see them just like, I'm just like, okay, do you mind getting up with me? And I get up with them, whether I got heels on, whether I have fur, whether, whatever I have on, I might take my shoes off and I'm like, okay, here's a tennis ball, here's a plate. All right, I want you to balance this. Just take a deep breath, try to balance and walk and da 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 and like, so that's the kind of place where I want to spend my days and that's the kind of therapy work I want to do too, where I'm not just confined by the mind, hence the mental health thing, right? Like we want people to be well, mind, body, spirit, and trauma affects people, mind, body, and spirit. Um, trauma is not just talking. They didn't gain that trauma just through their words right? They, they didn't just get traumatized through words. Their body experienced it too, right? In that yeah. moment, their body contracted to like protect them. Even if it was just like, oh, you're stupid, you're this, you're that. Our body, our shoulders tense up, our stomach goes in, you know, we might scrunch our face. So um, our job, or I think any of our jobs, is to help us get back online. That's what mental health is to me, is like helping people get back online, meaning back to feeling little bit by bit by bit in a way that is um, pro them, <laughs> pro black, pro, pro black, brown, pro, you know, special needs, pro neurodivergent, like whatever it is that we need, slowly getting back to that, getting back online and creating moments of triumph. For me, that is like a form of mental health. I completely agree. So one thing, um, I think I've said this before, but I think that experiencing emotions like sadness or anger are natural parts of life. But in our culture, I think people tend to think that you have to be happy 24 seven, which is of course unrealistic. So how, do you have any techniques for people to learn to cope with their emotions rather than suppress them because I think a lot of what happens is because people think they're supposed to be happy when they get angry instead of just like dealing with it they'll they'll hold it inside and pretend to be happy and do all of these things instead of just going with the natural you know ebb and flow of being a human like if you're alive you're not going to be happy all the time yeah. so are yeah. there any like coping mechanisms to help people with that instead of you know, trying to be happy, I guess. Yeah, um, I think that's a great point. And I think that we do folks a disservice when we expect people to just feel good and feel happy all the time, or, hey, why don't you smile? Or, which is like sexist in itself, right? But like, <laughs> what? Um, yeah, and I think, 
being truly informed about the body and the mind and well-being is is naturally being trauma-informed and helping people regulate. So um, I would say that some of the things that we can do to help people acknowledge um, that it's important to, you know, feel a range of emotions is to talk. You know, that's one of the things is like to talk a little bit about how you feel. Um, I had a friend say to me once who I hadn't seen for a really long time, and this is no shade to her. It just, she said, why do you always ask me how I'm feeling? And I was like, oh, dang, like, do I, do I always ask her how she feels? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? You know, and it, it took me back. Now, at first, you know, I got a little offended, but then I thought about it and I'm like, okay, that's right. Not everybody is comfortable feeling. Does that, does that make sense? Like, yeah. not everybody is comfortable feeling. So I don't think that there is one like single technique that like makes that happen or makes it better. But I do believe that helping people to formulate a deep sense of uh, personal and collective healing, right? So like, I don't just believe in self-care. I believe that self-care is another whole, like, it can be very capitalistic, not mm-hmm. just on what we're spending money on, but um, in the ways that it's very kind of self, 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 self. Whereas if we rely on our fellow person to the right and the left and the front and the back of me, I'm going to feel a little bit more held. I'm going to feel better. I'm going to have a support system, a net that actually works rather than just, I'm going to rely on myself to feel better and I'm just going to take care of myself and this is what it's going to look like. Like That's not really helpful. So one of the main things is relying and reaching out to others, like getting support from other people. Um, Another thing is, believe it or not, you know, sometimes like screaming into a pillow, right? (laughs) Folks are just like, I can't cry. I can't cry. I can't cry. I can't cry. But, but you need to cry. Like that is one of the healthy ways that your body is expelling this very intense emotion. Um, Not crying is actually doing many of us more harm. So, you know, sometimes grabbing a pillow and screaming into it, um, crying into it, I tell some of my, my, the people that I serve that are like, I'm crying all day long. I don't know. I need to deal with this. I know I need to deal with the death of this person, but I have to function. If I don't function, I'm not going to make money. If I don't function, I'm not going to blank, 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 and blank. So I tell them to put on a damn timer. And you know what? It works. It works. I'm like, you know what? Have your sad moment, your pity party, your grieving session write in a journal, put on that timer for 15 minutes, 10 minutes if 15 feels too much, and let it out. Cry, rock back and forth, listen to sad music, whatever, scream at an empty pillow. And then when that timer goes off, use one of the techniques to regulate. And it depends on what techniques we've gone over, right? And like what it is they need. It could be tapping. It could be dancing until you're exhausted. It could be for some people lifting weights and feeling their strength. Right now, me doing like weightlifting and TRX and kettlebells, like finding my strength when I have a history of trauma and when I have a history of burnout and when I have a lot of rage in me, lifting weights helps me feel hella grounded. 
you know? Um, for some people, it's roller skating. For some people, it's jumping rope. Like, for some people, it is reading poetry and sitting down. For some people, it's having someone else come over and making a meal together. So what I'm saying is giving yourself a small amount of time to feel the feelings and then saying, okay, that's enough for today. In two days, I'm going to go for 13 minutes. Um, so yeah, those are some of my tiny techniques, but definitely a lot of this needs to be done with like a, a professional, you know, someone that is trained to be able to hold your feelings should your stuff become too overwhelming and it feels like it's going to take you out. Yeah. I think dealing with their, with your feelings as they come is important to like you said if people need to cry you know go to the bathroom cry and then go back to work <laughs> because at least I, I learned that technique um from my uh meditation practice um uh I had a I go to um a Buddhist place and I I went there for uh th I learned this maybe three or four years ago because I was of the wrong belief that you needed to be happy all the time and I think a lot of people read sort of self-help books and you read these things you 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 think that being healthy is just smiling and never being negative is somehow being like enlightened but my teacher was telling me that that that's not what you know being you know advanced or spiritually advanced whatever you want to call yourself that's not it's not about never having negative emotions because if you're alive you're gonna have negative emotions it's just you don't let those emotions control your life so she was like if you're angry just sit in it be angry like you don't have to pretend you're not angry or get even get mad at yourself for being angry because a lot of people will do that like you're mad and then you get mad at yourself for being mad she's like if you're mad just be mad just sit there with it deal with it and I noticed that once I started doing that like my emotions would pass a lot quicker if I'm angry and just deal with being angry and, and don't try to pretend I'm not angry or or think that I'm wrong for being angry. I'm just angry. That's what it is. I'm dealing with it. I feel like the anger actually passes much quicker than me trying to pretend I'm not angry. So I always tell people, if you're mad, you know, just be mad. I'm not a psychologist, but <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> And you so don't need to be, right? Like, I mean, the reality is common sense tells you that, yes, um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I would say that I, I, I do treat retreats and, and stuff on like healing and honoring your inner reach. Um, I think it is so important to be able to feel all your feelings 100%. And for some people that could take them out, that's too scary or that means that they go into another state of consciousness or um, they come out of their bodies too much. So yeah, that's, you know, for some people feeling your feelings may not always be the safest. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, but for some people that um, do not struggle with certain aspects of mental health and trauma, yeah, just feeling it and allowing yourself to be when you're happy feel happy some people aren't even don't allow themselves to feel happy some people don't allow themselves to feel exhausted and tired and irritable 
Um, let me give you an example. All last week and the week before, I have been really like overwhelmed. Uh, work has been very intense. I have felt really irritable. I've been snapping at like people close to me or like not wanting to be bothered. I couldn't get myself right. I couldn't do any of my movement activities that felt right. I couldn't really focus on any meditation. Like I just couldn't. I just couldn't. Um, and what ended up happening is I, I took a breath and I reminded myself, wait, what do I tell the people that I work with? If I am this irritable, it is just a symptom. What is really going on underneath? Probably I'm doing way too much. And wouldn't you know this weekend when I had a chance to bring it down, maybe two notches, not eight notches like I needed, but two notches. <laughs> I started to feel really sad, really, really, really sad. So I canceled something I had going on for Saturday night. I spent the day by myself running errands and, you know, bringing clothes to, to Goodwill and, um, you know, going to acupuncture, just like taking care of myself, like, because sometimes cleaning is self-care, right? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> You know, um, when, when my, my trunk had those clothes for so long and I, and because of work and capitalism, sorry, but it's true. Um, I didn't have time to drop off these eight bags in my trunk and, and it was just like bothering me. Like this has been there for like a month and a half. Oh, what is going on? Like it was representative of the baggage going on inside of me, you know, and I felt a little better. And then I, like I said, I canceled plans, even though I, I wanted to go and, you know, I'm missing out on a free meal, so to speak. And I just said, no, I'm going to go home and I'm going to have something light and easy and I'm going to sit on the couch. And then I watched this Hulu show. I binged on Shrill. I don't know if you've heard of it. but I Oh, I've heard of it. I haven't watched it yet, but I want to. I was sobbing, sobbing. So good. So good. Um, so, and I gave myself that. And do you know that literally from eating foods that felt good to me. No, it, it didn't matter what those foods were. And I didn't give the foods good or bad on them. I just ate what I wanted, whatever my body wanted. And I sat on that couch and my cat got on top of me and me laughing and crying to the show. I fucking felt better. I fucking, like I woke up this morning and I went to kickboxing. Like I actually felt like, oh, wow, I could do this podcast. Like I actually felt more anchored and I felt more connected to the ancestral wisdom that guides me, that gathers me, that holds me down, you know, because I let myself spend time by myself, be by myself, eat whatever my body said it needed in that moment, you know, did some little tasks and I had a good laugh cry and I noticed what was coming up and then I went to sleep. And so that, is feeling my feelings too, particularly when for those of us that are holding everybody else's feelings or people that are highly sensitive or they're empaths, we need to take care of ourselves too. I'm clapping as I'm saying that, like, <laughs> uh, right? Like we need to set boundaries, right? And we need to check our empathy and we need to notice the rescue pattern that we play out with people in our lives. And we need to be deeply rooted and come back into our body, which is our home. And that requires having healthy boundaries, you know? Um, and that requires doing the work on ourselves and regulating ourselves and integrate the trauma more. So yeah, that's my little personal example. And that's just the way that I think that's healing. I think those are techniques. 
And sometimes I want to listen to a whole Coldplay album or, or Evanescence that maybe that helps me cry, you know, but whatever way I need to make sure I get the stuff out so it doesn't poison me. That's, I think that's what all people need. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. And it didn't include therapy. I just want to say that. I mean, I went to therapy earlier in the week, but nothing that I just mentioned included therapy. Um, I do want to acknowledge that, right? Like I have the financial capacity and means to have a TV and to have food that's readily accessible to eat what I want to, you know, you get what I'm saying. So yeah. I want to acknowledge that I have the privilege to do that. And so do many of us that are probably listening to this podcast. But um, the reality is, that we can find that in our own ways. I've even told friends of mine that live with like eight or nine, 10 family members um, or friends that are on from couch to couch to couch. Hey, listen, I'm going to be out of the house for the whole day. Why don't you come over, sit down, eat whatever you want, work on my computer. uh, See if my cat will let you go near her. She may not. (laughs) (laughs) And watch something or chill out or take a nap or or, hey, I'm going away for three days for a conference. Do you want to come over? You could stay in my bed. You could. I feel like these are ways that we can take care of the community and we could take care of one another. You're, you're completely right. And I think that's one thing. This theme has sort of come up in my podcast a lot with other guests and topics that we need to really start to come together as a community and help one another out instead of waiting for like, the government or someone else to help us out like should they be helping us out absolutely but nothing in their track record has shown that they will (laughs) help us out so I think that you know we are as citizens and as people are empowered to you know help ourselves out if we see something that's going that's wrong in our own communities we can figure out and organize to help one another because you know waiting around we've been doing that a long time and it does not work so yeah I'm all for people organizing and doing stuff for themselves so I mean that's that's all I have to say we had a great interview I'm really excited to post this is there any more information you'd like to share with people um no just honestly um thank you so much for having me on. Um, Thank you for taking the time to making this information readily accessible. And um, give me a second. I think the last thing I really wanna just say is, I think a a healthy decolonized framework asks how like our personal healing is connected to the collective, right? Connected to our communities and their healing. Um, And I do think it is possible for us to understand um, how our histories of what has happened in our families and our communities, how that connects with how we're feeling now. Like we're not just being affected by the news. We're not just being affected by that breakup. We're not just being affected by blank. Like other stuff is happening inside of us that is very old and ancient and there are ways to heal that. And we have those answers inside of us. We just have to kind of listen and trust our intuition and kind of come up with a pattern that allows us to heal um healing and good mental health don't always have to be connected and related to a licensed therapist right 
Um, it could be connected to lots of things. So find a way to get what you need. Um, check in with people around you that have your back and really learn to ask for help because I feel like that is the definition of true strength, knowing when we need the support of another to have our back and hold us down. That is a hundred percent true. <laughs> so can you just give people, you know, if you have your Instagram, if you have any yeah. other information, you want people to know where they can find you? Yeah. Yeah. So um my Instagram is um I'm gonna spell it as well, decolonizing therapy, D-E-C-O-L-O-N-I-Z-I-N-G therapy, T-H-E-R-A-P-Y. Um, I also have a website, Dr. Jennifer Mullen, so it's D-R-J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-M-U-L-L-A-N.com. Those are the two best ways to get in contact with me. If you'd like, please feel free to subscribe. There'll be a little subscriber box either on my IG or, um, on my, um, website. And that way you can you know, be re the recipient of all the like upcoming newsletters and different goodies. I'll also be having a course coming out soon, like a basic, like one-on-one of like decolonizing therapy and like how we can utilize it in our lives. Um, and yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the stuff. I don't like podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Please do myself and yourself, let's let's keep it real, yourself a favor by going on Instagram and following us at Stuff I Don't Like Podcast. You can also visit us on the internet, the interweb at stuffidontlike.net. I'd also love for you to check out the cartoon web series that I've been working on. It's a comedy. It's hilarious. You'll love it. And follow that on Instagram at Julissa, J-U-L-I-S-A underscore who, W-H-O. Follow that on Instagram and go to our website, julissahoo.com. And that's it. So tune in next week for more conversations with humor, honesty, and zero chill. Thanks, guys.